Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Should we provide free health care in developing nations as a missions opportunity? We'll talk about that and more. This is the Engaging Mission Show, Episode 175, with TJ McLeod of One World Health in Nicaragua. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Welcome back to the Engaging Mission Show. Our goal is to equip, challenge, and inspire you to connect, give, and go. This week, we're going to be talking about how a musician became the regional director of a health organization, how God sometimes leads us on winding paths through our lives, and also about providing sustainable health care in areas that need it the most. We're going to have our next installment of Engaging Trivia, including the answer from last week. We're going to hear another story or really continue our story from Mongolia. And we're going to talk about one way that you can bring missions into conversations with children. I would like to welcome Ida, who recently subscribed to our email newsletter. If you'd like to get weekly inspiration in your inbox, visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe and fill out that short form. Right now, I'm pulling inspiring or challenging quotes from early episodes, and I'm sharing those along with some of my own thoughts. So, Ida, welcome. We're glad to have you. And with that, we're going to head right into this week's interview. All right, let's get started. Today, I am so excited to have with me TJ McLeod. He has a, a real passion for sustainable health care and affordable health care, and also seeing what people can accomplish when they're properly resourced and encouraged. He's originally from Oklahoma. He spent a few years recording and touring as a musician, then some time with an outreach in the Dominican Republic. He has a master's in international relations, and he's now the regional director for One World Health in Central America. TJ, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Oh, it is totally my pleasure. And before we started the interview, we were talking and you shared that there's something that's coming up in the next few months that you're preparing for. Could you maybe just go ahead and share with us what that is? Sure. Yeah. We at One World Health, we set up we set up sustainable clinics in primarily rural areas, some urban areas. But uh, we've got one of our, our next clinic that we're about to open up is in the town of Tola, Nicaragua in the southern part of Nicaragua, and we're pretty excited about it. Our inauguration will be in January, and there's a lot of work to do between now and then, but everything looks to be going great. We've got a great staff, and it's a great little community that we're going to be able to, to, to work in. We've got, we've got great church partners there, and so we're, we're pretty excited. I appreciate, yeah, I appreciate you and, and, and all your listeners thinking about us and praying for us as we get closer to our, our inauguration, um, let's see, it'll be January 20th, this, uh, this coming year. Wow. That, that is very exciting. And uh, I'm really glad that we were able to share that. 
for for those of you who are listening, it is a little bit weird to ask you to do something this early into a conversation, but I would like to challenge you and ask you to pray for this. At the time that this airs, it'll be right about the opening time of of this clinic, and there's a lot that goes into that, a lot that we I'm certain that we haven't gotten time to discuss, and a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know. So I would just ask that you go ahead and, and pray for that, that you would hold it up in prayer. Now, TJ, as the regional director for One World Health, I would imagine that that involves a lot of things besides in quotes, just opening clinics. Can you share with us maybe a little bit more about what it is that you do with One World Health? Yeah, absolutely. In my role as a regional director, I live here in Managua, Nicaragua, and my, my role is to develop and expand and manage One World Health's presence here in Central America. Right now, we're, we're just in Nicaragua as far as Central America. We have other projects in, in Uganda as well. Under, under my umbrella, just Nicaragua. I get to I get to establish and expand and, and manage our presence here. That looks like opening clinics. It also looks like hiring really great Nicaraguan staff. I'm the only uh, North American with the organization here here in Nicaragua. We've got an excellent local staff as well. It, it looks like being a, a point of contact with all of the legal and the regulatory issues with the Ministry of Health and and, and government as well, uh, trying to make great contacts with our church communities and, and, and the other NGO and, and ministry communities in and around Central America and Nicaragua to find good partnerships and continue to serve people as best we can. Wow. And I'm thinking about this. So musician to being part of an outreach in the Dominican Republic to now being a liaison, hiring and bringing people on, developing relationships. I'm, I'm sure that securing funding is also a part of what you do. It is. How did you get from musician to regional director for a health organization? You know, I kind of ask, ask myself that <laughs> on a regular basis. You know, I think it's, it's kind of a weird story, but I think I think I can point back to as a as a as a young man, we had we had a youth group intern. So he's a college student. He was living in our house for the summer. He was working with our youth group at the time, and and he loved Jimmy Buffett. He loved the music of Jimmy Buffett, and so I got exposed to that. And as a young kid living in Oklahoma, I'd never been anywhere or done anything, and there was all this music about like the tropics, about Latin America that. I just was super intrigued by, and that God God used that to plant a seed in my heart, and eventually I moved past some of the cliche, some of the cliched aspects of Jimmy Buffett's music, and, and actually got to visit Central America and got to get to meet amazing Central American and Caribbean people, and even throughout my music career, uh, the more that I traveled with music, the more that I fell in love with the world that this this world that God had created and the people that were serving him or, or didn't know him or, or were serving him even if they didn't know it. <laughs> and, you know, and so at a certain point in my wife and I's life, when we decided, you know what, hey, we really want to dedicate our lives to, to international service, you know, it all of a sudden, all of a sudden that made sense. And then as I thought about how, you know, where I want to put my, where I want to put my energy, we found out that that we really wanted to make really practical, tangible differences in, in, in people's lives. And and even though I don't have a medical background, medicine seemed to be uh, an access to medicine and healthcare seemed to be a very, very useful, practical way to, to make a difference in, a, in the life of a community. So that, that's how I got here. There's more to it, but at the same time, it's, 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 it's also about that simple, you know, God leads you. I think God leads us all through 
really strange seasons of our lives and that are all connected. And I look back and I can see all the connection points and it may seem a little bit weird to have a singer songwriter be a, you know, a regional director over a medical NGO. But, but, but at the same time, I can look back and, and see all of those different things are things that God used to prepare me for, for what I'm doing right now. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's really exciting to think about your ability to look back with that perspective and to see the sort of the squiggly line as God's led you from from where you were to where you are. And I would also think that during that, you've probably kind of from time to time gotten to the end of your ability and had to step out in faith. Can you maybe share a little bit about some times when you've had to step beyond what you thought you could do and continue following God? Yeah, I would say, you know, time a time in my life when I could point to when I really had to step out in faith was when my wife and I decided to to go to grad school and 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 I I went to grad school and and she supported me in that it was amazing at the time I was I had, we had come back from a we come back from several years in the Dominican Republic and we loved that experience but we knew in that experience that we we wanted more training we wanted deeper better training to do what we were doing and to work not only in ministry not only in church work but also in holistic, tangible, practical development ministry. I found Eastern University, and it was uh, it was about that time when we realized that we were having twins. Oh. Uh, so, so we had to decide whether or not we were going to leave. What At the time, I had a great, great ministry position in Nashville, Tennessee, where we loved, we loved being where we were, and I had a, we, had, we were surrounded by great friends. We had to decide whether or not we were going to stay where we were in a very comfortable place, or follow this this crazy idea of going to grad school and getting better trained and with the intention of of going back into international ministry and that was a difficult time that was a difficult decision in some ways in other ways it was maybe the easiest decision we've ever made but but at least getting there was difficult in some ways but i can look back and see that god's hand absolutely guided us and protected us through that process put the right people in our lives the right income at the right time uh, you know, the right professors who just really spoke into my desire to, to serve in these ways. And so, yeah, I, I can definitely look back and see that as a, as a time of, of great faith building for me. And I think my wife would say the same. Wow, that's, that's interesting. As you, as you were sharing that, you keyed in on something that I've been thinking a lot about lately, and I don't have necessarily a lot of clarity about how other people approach this kind of thing, but you mentioned that this decision was both a really difficult and also a really easy decision for you. Can you share a little bit more about how you approached making that decision and knowing what direction you should head? Sure, yeah. I think the decision to, the decision to move in the direction that we felt like God was calling us was an easy decision. We knew we needed to do it. We knew we wanted to do it. We knew that it was a deep desire that would ultimately give, ultimately bring us fulfillment. But we also knew we had no idea how to make it work. We had no idea how to feed these two babies that we, you know, now had and, and how to deal with, you know, full-time work plus grad school. And my wife at the time would, was not working. And so, it, you know, financially it was difficult and, and relationally it was difficult in lots of ways. I, I, did, I didn't spend a ton of time. Truthfully, can't say I was an awesome husband or father uh, the, those first two years while I was in grad school. But in ways that I can't even explain, I think God even expanded my wife and I's ability to, to deal with those things. And so I think that's what, that's what made it hard. But at the same time, the knowledge that we were doing, what we really wanted to be doing and what we felt like was in 
right in the middle of God's will for us and what God had, had blessed us to be able to desire. You know, I think, I think that was really easy, uh, even while their path was hard. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. I, I really do appreciate that. As you look back over your, your life and, and the, the ministry that you've been doing so far, are there any key scriptures or anything that's really been foundational to how you approach life and ministry? You know, I think it's not necessarily a specific scripture, but I think it's it's um, it's it's mainly just the I mean this this idea in Matthew of of the kingdom of God, this idea that the kingdom is this thing that is in breaking that you know that is here but is also still coming that that's really deeply influential for me and meaningful to me because I, I do feel like that holistic ministry, holistic development, you know, well any development, truthfully, whether it's faith based or not, I think is a part of of that inbreaking of, of God's kingdom here on earth. And, you know, this idea that we can, there, there is a different level of God's kingdom that will be, you know, that, that will someday come into fruition in ways that it's not now. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we can't taste it here. That doesn't mean we can't make God's kingdom and, and the reality of heaven alive and tangible here on earth. And so I, I'm excited to be part of things that, that I see where, where I see and I can feel those things happening, you know, and there are ways in which evangelism definitely makes that happen. But I'd also think that that, that evangelism and, and discipleship, if it's done right, ultimately leads to engaging with people's actual lives and their actual needs and their actual physical concerns, you know. And so, so that's, that's what really drives me and what inspires me that just the continued focus on that inbreaking of God's kingdom and helping to, in, in one small way, um, in, in the small way that I can, helping to make that more and more of a reality. Well, that, that's really interesting that you would share that. I'm actually about 20 or 25% done reading a book now called A Very Good Gospel, and it talks about that kind of thing. It's, it's adding a little bit of flesh to my understanding of the gospel and the kingdom. So it's really interesting that we're having this discussion right now. I, I'm wondering, what has God been showing you or teaching you over the last few months or year? One of the things I could say that, that God has been showing me and, and teaching me is that is that there there there's just no end to to the talent and the and just the t- talent, but also just the goodness of His people. Um, I'm surrounded by by really amazing people, and there are also you know there are obviously setbacks and and disappointments as you work with people, um, but at the same time, one of my the, the real joys of my job is to is to identify and to grow up leadership, national leadership, who you know, who are gonna who are gonna take what what we do, what I'm able to offer, and what we as a team are able to do with with these clinics, and they really are the ones who do the work, and they do they they build their team as well, and and to see that happen has been really awesome, and especially over the last few months, watching our Tola team come together, it's just reminded me how how wonderful it is that that God is everywhere. We don't bring God to any place. Uh, he obviously was already here working in these people's lives. And now we get to come alongside that and participate in that. But it's definitely, it's definitely not an instance where we had to import great talent to do this stuff. No, there were, you know, God had been preparing these people for this work, I think for a long time. So I, I guess that's what I'd say over, over the last couple of weeks and, and maybe the last month, that's definitely what I've been thinking about a lot. That, that's amazing. That that to the reminder that we don't have to take it God anywhere. That He's already there. That that's great. With that, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the ministry. Sounds good. 
I'd like to take just a minute to tell you about another podcast that I think that you should check out. If you enjoy the Engaging Missions show, you definitely want to check out the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland. He's been a guest on the show, he's a friend of the show, and he's just recently finished up a series where he was on location in Thailand talking with some missionaries there about leadership. I thought it was a really, really interesting discussion. You can check that out at fxmissions.com. I think it's worth your time to at least give it a second to check it out. We're here with TJ McLeod, and we've been talking about some of the things that God's shown him, and that was really interesting to me, TJ, as I think about the most of the ministry models that I'm familiar with in terms of medical ministry or that kind of thing. Typically, what I think I see people doing is, well, export some doctors or some nurses from the U.S. or from some other country, we'll put, some, put them someplace else, and then they'll, they'll do sort of the, the ministry and they'll do the, the medical stuff as well. What I think I heard you talk about was that the nationals are actually doing a lot of that work. That's right. Yeah. One World Health's work is really based on this idea of sustainability in lots of different ways. So there's, there's you know, we, we're always looking for financial st- sustainability and and we can explain more about what that looks like, but but also sustainability goes into to as well your hiring and your staffing because at the end of the day, if 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 we're if we're establishing a clinic that's dependent on some foreign doctor, then it's not that's not all that sustainable, and and I can't guarantee that that clinic is going to be there ten to twenty years from now, which is always our goal to see these clinics last for 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 several generations. And so, yes, uh, I mean, hiring, hiring local staff, hiring really talented nationals who can work alongside us and guide us in the best ways to serve their community is, is definitely, you know, in many ways, the most important part of our sustainability strategy for One World Health. That, that's really cool. And, you know, there's the, obviously the, the benefit of having somebody who is local, who has lived there, who's a national, that definitely prolongs the, the the sustainable life of a ministry. I can definitely see that. I'm wondering also if maybe sometimes having somebody who actually understands the local culture and actually understands the community has also helped you avoid maybe some mistakes or some errors in judgment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think especially in medicine, it's very, it's, you know, it can be very specific, especially even in tropical medicine. And so, you know, there are ways in which American trained doctors are definitely better trained in some ways than, than, than a Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan general practitioner. But in, there, are, there are other ways that a Nicaraguan general practitioner knows tropical medicine. They know what their community needs much, much better than any imported doctor from the U.S. might know. And so we've seen that time and time again, and we're, we're always excited to see U.S. doctors engage with us and volunteer with us on a limited basis. But definitely, we, we're, we are always excited to see our, our national physicians and medical staff take the lead in helping us to sculpt what our patient protocols are going to look like, what our, you know, what our strategy for, for community health and public health education is going to look like. Because they, they've got great experience and great, great knowledge about what the needs really are. So if, if a doctor or a nurse was listening to this right now and they were thinking to themselves, I think I'd like to be part of this, I'd like to volunteer, what suggestions would you offer them to prepare to be a good partner if and when they arrive? Yeah, so anybody who comes and, and works or volunteers alongside us, 
you know, the main thing, the first thing we always say is just to be flexible. It's not the same as, as working in the States. And a lot of times when we do have volunteers come out, we, we tend to, to go out and take those volunteers to, to really, really rural, hard to reach places where we can kind of extend our reach even further outside of our fixed clinics, you know, where we've got actual buildings. And so, you know, the first thing I'd say is just to be flexible. The second thing is to be humble um, because, Back to what we were talking about, you know, it doesn't matter where you got your degree or or what experience you've got, you know, it's not your place. And at the end of the day, we're all learners and we're all participating together. But it is a good experience for our for our U.S. volunteers to work and to learn alongside a national a national health professional because they're going to they're both going to learn things. And if at least they're both going to learn things, if they allow themselves to open open up to that. And so I, I, I really get excited about that sort of interchange. And I love people to come down and volunteer with us as long as they're, they're able to do it in a spirit of, you know, of humility and just uh, and, and, and come as a learner and, and as well as a servant. Wow, that's cool. So let's talk about financial sustainability as well, because you had mentioned that. What do you mean when you say that? Yeah. So one of the things that I had seen in, in my time with ministries and, and nonprofits is that projects, for the most part, have a real hard time becoming financially sustainable, meaning that um, they're almost always dependent on outside funding to make those things continue, whether it's a children's home or whether it's a women's, you know, women's health program or you know, even if it's like a feeding program or, uh, or evangelization program, often – those those often those things you know never quite reach the the level of tent making you know full self support that that would be you know that that would really allow it to to live past the life of of a donation or or you know whoever's asking for for funding whether it's the missionary themselves or, or somebody else so so our model is based on creating clinics that that pay for themselves so we have initial funding that comes in and and builds the you know builds the clinic establishes the clinic but then over a series of two over a time of of about 18 months to two years our capital funding and our subsidy to that clinic goes down it goes down each month and at the same time their income very small fees that they get in from patients we we provide high quality service for very very low cost but those small fees, as they come in, they support the daily operation of the clinic, which, which makes our clinics, uh, right now at least, we've got both of our clinics hitting about 100% sustainability in El Viejo, Chinandega, Nicaragua, and then Sebuco, Madagapa, Nicaragua. Uh, and our third clinic in Tola, we, we hope, will be the same. So the other thing that, that sustainability provides is the ability for those patients to have they get to participate in their own healthcare, and they get to pursue, they get to have some ownership in providing for their family. And there are there are patients who are so poor that they they may not pay anything at all for for healthcare. And and there there are ways in which we can still be a part of their of their solution. But by and large, we see that people who pay a little bit for their healthcare have much better outcomes. The person who pays a little bit for that for that diabetes medicine is much, much more likely to actually take the diabetes medicine. <laughs> you know, I think there's lots of different ways in which the patient having some financial, the patient having some financial stake is just a really healthy thing, aside from 
sustaining the life of our clinic. It's a, it's a really healthy thing for them in lots of different ways. And so and it's just another core value of One World Health that I think is really different. A lot of ministries, a lot of, they cannot bring themselves to charge anything for, for what they're doing, whether it's a health ministry or a, you know, or, or a school ministry or, or, or something like that. But really, we have to, I think we have to admit that all of these things have value. If we continue to give them away for free, we continue to then tell people that they really don't have much value or they're not, they're not to be taken as seriously as maybe they otherwise might be taken. Wow, that, that's a great perspective. I really appreciate that. Just kind of tying a bow on this section, if you, looking back over the years, if you could do it all over again, is there anything that you would do differently? You know, uh, I think so. Yeah, I'm really proud of, of the journey that I've had professionally and personally. I think my, my wife would say the same. She's been a huge part of all of that. Um, and I hope my kids one day will look back and, and be really thankful for the experiences that, that they've had as part of our journey. But, uh, you know, as far as doing anything differently, I mean, there are lots of things that I've learned along the way. You know, I definitely would have better church and community contacts before I did my hiring uh, in, in some places. That's great insight. And, you know, so you, you learn the hard way a few times about some of those things. Um, I definitely would. Uh, I definitely would have paid more attention in, in Spanish uh, in high school. But uh, but then again, <laughs> then again, that experience has, as well has been a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I, I feel great about where I am with, with the language now. You know, it took a while, but. Uh, but, he, you know, here we are. So, uh, no, I think, you know, it, there are some things I think we can look back and say, oh, man, I wish I hadn't done that. But at the same time, truthfully, man, it, it's a good place to be where you, you know, if you, if, if you are where you feel like you're in the will of God, that's a good place to be. And you got there the way you got there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd ever change any of that. Wow, that's great. With that, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time more toward the listeners. It is time for our next installment of Engaging Missions Trivia. Last week, we asked the question, are most missionaries fully funded before they head out? If you guessed, no, you are right. Many missionaries are not fully funded before they head out. That's just something maybe to keep in the back of your mind. That brings us to this week's trivia question. It's something that you can very quickly and easily Google if you're interested. The question is, where is Hudson Taylor famous for having gone? You can win a free copy of Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret on Kindle. If you get the right answer, just tweet that to at Engaging Mission and use the hashtag EMTrivia. Now, I actually have a link already set up for you in the show notes. So if you stop by the show notes page and click that link, put in your answer, you can have the opportunity to win a copy of that book. I'd be glad to send that to you. We'll just work out the details if you happen to win. The question again, where is Hudson Taylor famous for having gone? Just tweet your answer. That brings us to the end of this week's Engaging Trivia. All right, we're here with TJ McLeod. We've heard a little bit about what he's learned over the last couple of years, some of the amazing things that they have going on in Nicaragua through One World Health. Now we're shifting our focus more toward you as the listener, learning from TJ's experience and perspective. So TJ, what would you share with somebody who's beginning to feel stuck or wondering if what they're doing in business or ministry really matters in the kingdom? You know, I would, the first thing I'd want to do is, is just, just listen to, you know, to, to, to what they're feeling and to their story. I think, I think it's really, I think it's really helpful in my own life when I have felt that way, when I've had somebody who, who could just really listen to me. I think that in some ways works as a, as a sounding board and allows me to hear my own 
story and my own our own problems back to us. And then, you know, depending on who it is, you know, hopefully they give good counsel as well. But, you know, my, my counsel for somebody who said, you know, who's, who's saying, man, I'm not, not sure where I'm at. I'm not sure, uh, you know, what I'm doing, you know, is that I've been there. And, it, you know, it was a surprising place because it was a place in which I felt like I was well-trained and called and, and you know, and, and I think I was for a season called to, you know, to at the time. And for me, it was church ministry. It was it was it was ministry based in Nashville. And I'm proud of that time. But at the same time, during that whole time, we knew we felt that, you know, gosh, we really want to get back to international work. And so, you know, for your listeners, if they if they're feeling some sort of friction in wherever they're at, whether that's when they're in their workplace or, or at their church or, you know, whether it's a ministry there, they feel called to do, but maybe they haven't done yet. My, my best advice is to, you know, first of all, just um, seek great counsel. Second, think real, real hard about, you know, what truthfully is the intersection between your talents, what you can really offer and sometimes we don't even know what that is. We probably need to ask some other people, you know, what are, what are my real talents? What are my real, uh, what are the things I'm really good at? And so what's the intersection of that? What's the intersection of your talent and the world's need? And I think right, right there in that intersection is where I think we can, we can see that we're most useful to the Lord. And there are ways in which that that can happen in, in you know, it might be that that is a ministry. It might be that that's a job change. It might be that that's you sticking where you're at, and even when it feels hard. But but I think it's I think it's a healthy thing to make that that assessment of like, okay, truthfully, like, what are my talents and skills, and and you know, what are what are what am I really able to bring to the table, and and what does the world need? What does my community need? What does my church need? You know, and and, and figure out what that intersection is. Wow, that, that's good. Thinking about my own life, I know that very often I'll be thinking about what I want to do for ministry, and it's almost always something far off or something that somebody else is doing or something like that. But I'm wondering, do we sometimes miss the obvious, the opportunities that are right in front of us? And do you have any perspective on opportunities that maybe we often miss? Yeah, I think so. You know, there are ways in which I look back at our time in Nashville and you know, my wife was, she, my wife worked for Catholic Charities for a while doing refugee resettlement. And that was an exciting thing for her. But at the same time, I was in this, you know, I was in a ministry position, really feeling a deep pull towards international work. And I look back at that and I say, man, why on earth was I not more involved in my wife's ministry and work mm-hmm. in, in refugee resettlement? You know, she was she was actively engaging with people from all around the world right there in our community. And I had my eye, I had my head, you know, my head was in, you know, how to get trained to be sent somewhere, you know? And so while I wouldn't change anything, like I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, at the same time, I look back and I think, man, that was a real, that was, that, that was kind of a no brainer, you know, like, <laughs> like to, to not, you know, if, if your heart is in foreign things, not to engage with the foreigners in your midst, you know? So yeah, that's an example in my own life of where I think I really probably missed an opportunity, but at the same time, like I said, uh, you know, our journeys are our journeys. So you can't go back and, you know, you can't go back and and rehash that uh, too much, but you know, it might, you know, hopefully that will help somebody else think about, gosh, how can I open my eyes a little wider, you know, and see really what, 
what's right here in front of me. You know, I don't, I don't have to go someplace to, to be in God's will. I think we can find God's will where we're at. Um, even if God's will eventually will lead us somewhere else, that's fine. But, you know, we don't, we, I don't think we have to wait on that too hard. I think we can always engage with God's will wherever we're at. Is there a book or a resource that you'd recommend for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. One of the most influential books uh, in my own faith walk, to, uh, especially as it relates to, especially as, as it relates to international development and, and um, holistic ministry, is a book by Ron Sider, uh, "Rich Christians in an Age of Hun- in an Age of Hunger." Doctor Sider was a he was a professor at, at Eastern University. I never had the I never had the blessing of being under him, but definitely think a lot of him and his work. And this book just absolutely shifted my worldview and, and uh, shifted my understanding of the kingdom and my understanding of what God wanted for, you know, for his people and for, for, for what our, our responsibility as, as, as Western wealthy believers really is to the world. Well, so think, taking that maybe one step further, thinking about partnership, is there a way that, that we as, as the audience of Engaging Missions can best partner and support you? You know, I, I'd, I'd definitely encourage everybody to follow uh, One World Health on Facebook or Twitter. If you're interested in what we're doing, if you're interested in, in learning more about One World Health, you can definitely do that, you know, through those mediums. But then as well, you know, like we talked about before, you know, if you're interested in volunteering, if you're interested in, in, in healthcare, uh, whether you have a healthcare background or not, you know, um, there's definitely opportunities to get involved with us personally and to, and to visit Central America or, or East Africa um, to work alongside our, our national physicians or, or, or health professionals. So that's definitely an, op- an opportunity as well. And the third thing I'd say is that we absolutely uh, would, you know, would ask your listeners to, to be praying for us and to, to just be aware of, of what we're doing and, and, um, and, and lift us up from time to time, whether that's based on, you know, whether that's based on a thing that's happening with us or whether that's just somebody's going to put it on their calendar to pray for us once a month. Hey, we'll, we'll take it. That's, uh, that's great. We, we love to have people supporting us in lots of different ways. And, uh, whether that's, whether that's given to us financially or volunteering with us or, or just, uh, or just being a, a prayer warrior, uh, praying for our patients, praying for our, for our doctors, praying for our, our, our administration. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. And so speaking of prayer, is that Facebook connection, is that the best place to find out how to best pray for you? Or is there another way to know how we can best pray for you? Yeah, I think that probably, probably that Facebook connection, One World Health, you look it up, you, you can find it. And we, we've got pretty regular updates telling about what are the, what, what are the things that are going on. And then, yeah, I just uh, appreciate everybody staying engaged. And, and then hopefully in, in, in January, we'll have a new clinic to, uh, to be praying for as well. So, Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who are listening, we will make sure to have links to all of the, the, the Facebook page and the resources that we've talked about so far. All of that will be available at engagingmissions.com slash TJ McLeod. Now, TJ, if you could challenge us to do just one thing in the next seven days, what would it be and why? I guess my challenge for, for, for your listeners and, and for myself as well would be to, to think real hard about the life we're living in the, and the, the ways in which we are actively engaged in the kingdom and being, you know, being in prayer that God would open our eyes and help us to see not just what he would have us do, but maybe just to even just show us where he is and what he's already doing so that we could join in. You know, I, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, 
that the kingdom of God is, is, uh, is coming, but it, at the same time is all around us. And, uh, and so I just, my challenge to all of us, myself, especially is to, to look for that and to be sensitive to that, to, and to not be afraid of, you know, of, of things that may not, you know, that, 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 uh, that may not immediately make sense. You know, like we talked about with financial sustainability piece, you know, it doesn't always, doesn't immediately make sense to, to a lot of ministry folks to start charging people for, medical care but what we've seen is that is that wow that's been a really beautiful blessing for our clinics and for those patients you know so that's not something that that's the sort of thing that maybe you open your eyes to and you see in a different way and all of a sudden all of a sudden you you know all of a sudden you um you see that it, it it's a good way to go and it's it's uh, it's, it's a god you know a godly blessed thing so Oh, that's great, TJ. Thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate your time and your generosity. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate your ministry, and, um, and I look forward to uh, to hearing more of your podcasts. Well, thank you. Now heading from Nicaragua to Mongolia, we're going to check back in with Brian Hogan with our stories from Mongolia. This is taken from Brian Hogan's book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub, and he's given me permission to use it. I'm very thankful for that. Last week, we were hearing about how the way Brian and his team passed on the baton of leadership then impacted the way that leaders in the indigenous church passed on their ministry. This week, Coming back to that same conference, we're going to catch up with Bagi and Nara, who represent the very best in Mongolian church planters. At the same conference, I was able to catch up with Bagi and Nara, a young couple who exemplify the best in Mongolian church planters. Bagi was one of the original 14 teen girl disciples in Jesus' assembly. Nara, her husband, had been in prison while we were in Mongolia. He had come to faith through a Mongolian Bible his mother had sent him. Upon his release, he had come to Erdnet to be discipled in his new walk. Eventually, both he and Bagi had gone through the Mongolian Mission Center's, now YWAM Erdnet, Discipleship Training School, and School of Frontier Missions, with me teaching church planting, married, and gone off to plant new churches. Their initial target was Darhan. Mongolia's second largest city. So we've met Bagi and Nara, but what happens when they get to Darhan? Well, you're going to have to come back next week because we're going to hear more from Brian about the story of what happened when Bagi and Nara went to Darhan to start a church. I'd like to say thanks one more time to Brian Hogan for making his book available. It was narrated by the author at Voice of the Martyrs Studios, and Jeff Butterworth at Sound Paradigm Studios actually helped with the mixing and mastering at the end. If you have a book that you'd like to turn into an audiobook, I'd recommend that you reach out to Jeff Butterworth at soundparadigmstudios.co or shoot me an email at feedback at engagingmissions.com to start that conversation. I would absolutely love to see more books available in audio format for those who either prefer to listen rather than read, or those who are unable to read without listening. And if you'd like to get a free copy of Brian's book, visit engagingmissions.com slash free book, give Audible's service a try for a free month, and download this as your free book. That again is engagingmissions.com slash free book. 
At the beginning of the show, I promised you that I was going to share with you an idea for how to involve your kids in missions and how to teach them about missionaries, that kind of thing. But before I do that, I do kind of have a confession here, because as I was getting ready to record this, I realized it's not something that we've really done very well in our family either. So I wanted to share that in case you're thinking, wow, this dude's got it all together. No, that's not the case. Actually, this is calling me up short, but I do want to share it with you nonetheless. The idea for this week is to sponsor a family missionary. This works really well if you actually know somebody or if your children know somebody who is a missionary. But in any event, choose a missionary and sponsor them. Talk about that missionary. Talk about them as people. Talk about their lives. Talk about what they do in ministry. Talk about where they are. Talk about their calling. And talk about how God's calling in all of our lives is important. But we don't want to forget people just because they're not near of it, near us. In fact, if you can get a fridge photo, I'd recommend that you do that. Now, if you and your family are looking for a missionary to sponsor, if there's not somebody that you know, I would recommend that you join us in funding Mark Brink and the ministry at Global Initiative. They provide resources for the global church to invest in building relationships and in discipleship and evangelism with Muslims. They do this across denominational lines. They do this across national lines. It's a good organization, and I would recommend that you consider that. You can find out more information about that at engagingmissions.com slash fund16. But whether you join us in that or not, if you have kids in your home or if you invest in children in a Sunday school class or in some other class or some other forum— Choose a family or a group missionary. Find ways to talk about them and their lives. Make them real people in the minds of the children. Connect them. Make it a real relationship. And then use that to invest in their lives and to teach them about the amazing things that God is doing in the earth. We'd like to say thanks so much to TJ for being with us and also to you for joining us. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash TJ McLeod. That is T-J-M-C-C-L-O-U-D. Make sure you check those out. We're doing everything we can to create value for you at our show notes page, and we'd love to hear your feedback about it. Also, make sure you come back next week when we'll be hearing from Robert and Sandra Yurievich about missions in former Yugoslavia, surviving war, hurricanes, and more. Subscribe to the show by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe so that you never miss this or any episode. And if you have feedback or suggestions for the show, we would love to hear them. Please email us at feedback at engagingmissions.com. And thanks again for being with us. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.